Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Filling in for Darren, the amazing Anne Bonnie. And what are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about one of the biggest fears of Americans in general, Dave. Oh, I'm afraid to do that. <laughs> Public speaking. Well, what are we doing now? We're speaking publicly, aren't we? I know. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah, I could see you shaking and you're quaking in your boots. I never quite know what you're going to say. <laughs> That makes two of us. I'm like, Darren, get back here. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully Darren's doing well. I haven't uh, chatted with him in a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to give him his space. And uh, and for our listeners, just send out massive healing vibes to Darren. Uh, again, I'm not going to talk about the specifics here, but he could use all the love and uh, all the, the all the positive energy you, you care to throw at him. All right. And we are in uh six we are all six inhabited con- continents so that's a lot of love to go your way nice nice the whole yeah. world behind him yeah I, I i'm just waiting for um the winter our winter uh, antarctic summer so then i could ask somebody to to download us from antarctica waste all that you know valuable satellite bandwidth just to download our podcast and that would validate me just anyway. to be all seven you know that goes along with my quest to run a marathon on every continent but i've already got antarctica otherwise i'd download it while i was down there you've run in antarctica yeah i did that medal you're looking at right there is uh-huh. from the antarctica marathon wow wow yeah, actually, I've got a, I've got another friend of mine, another speaker friend of mine, and we'll, we will, folks, go to public speaking as 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 Ann and I both uh, professionally speak. Although it's hard to tell sometimes from listening to us. Um, bidee, 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 bidee. Yeah, that's all, folks. <clears throat> but you know, she's uh, she's uh, climbing mountains in all seven, mm, the highest cool. peaks, the highest peaks in all seven. I believe she's she's tackled Antarctica already as well. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother level of of danger and taking your life into your hands than than my Antarctic feet. The highest peak in Antarctica must be a very cold place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, uh, is it colder than um, Everest? You know, twenty one thousand feet. Well, yeah, but once you come down from Everest, it's not quite as chilly as it is on Antarctica. <laughs> no, <laughs> you at least no. come down to warmer. Yeah, interestingly, is uh, Everest has uh, defeated her several times at this point oh really yeah it's just uh she had not not that she she's made it to base camp a couple times uh but there's always been injuries or or other things that have kept her from from starting and it's such a dangerous climb that you Mm. don't you you know you you want to be in peak condition have the right conditions yeah well and just like mountain climbing and marathoning dave public speaking can be very humbling yeah, I, I'd rather speak in public personally than mountain climb. I have no desire. That, that's one of those things that is not on my bucket list. It's, it's nowhere near a bucket for me. <laughs> There's no buckets with mountain climbing in them. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think most people, and you and I are freaks, let's just, let's just you know, um, we, we, we are freaks. I used to tell my wife, give me a microphone and a captive audience, and I'm a pig in slop. Yep. <laughs> 
But but why are most people so afraid of public speaking? Is it the fear of judgment? The fact that you're putting yourself and your ideas and your self in front of everybody um, to judge, perhaps? That, that may be it. I think that's part of it. I think it's... Um, Nah, you know what? I think you nailed it. Because everything I was uh, that flashed into my mind just there, I went, well, they'll be judged on that. Well, they'll be judged on that. Right. They'll be judged on that. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. You know, it's a very exposed place. You're being put in a position of authority to speak on whatever topic it is. And, uh, you know, so there's a level of responsibility there and you have to make a commitment to the words you're using and you don't have time to take them back. You don't have time to fix them. And these days everything's on video too. So <laughs> they're out there. Uh, absolutely. And I, and I think I I'm going to get a new job now that I said all that. <laughs> well, what's interesting, and I, I think a lot of the imposture, 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 imposter, imposter, so practice, folks, imposter, not imposter, Bad person. imposter. Yes, I am a professional public speaker. <laughs> and actually, I want to come back to making mistakes, but the imposter syndrome, I think, is probably a big part of that, right? Who, who am I to get on stage and say all this to people? We're not even on stage, you know, on the floor. Get up. Yeah, get up in a meeting and talk in front of our CEOs or talk in front of our clients. Yeah. Why do you think, I know where my um, love of speaking and, and performing comes from, but, uh, and I'll share that in a minute, but I'm curious, where does yours? Um, the first thing that comes to my head is that I'm a giant show off and I love attention. And that doesn't sound very noble, does it? I mean, and now that I'm, I'm speaking in a, in a, you know, on topics that help people be stronger in their lives, there is a much more noble level to it. Um, and that's been my goal as I've spoken both in my public career when I was animal training back when I was teaching group exercise. Um, but, you know, when I was little and I was performing, I think that's where it started. Yeah. And, and I think you're it's funny. I, I didn't know that about you. And you were performing <laughs> where? Uh, as a kid. Doing what? Like in, like school performance? Yeah, I was always in the choirs. I was in the plays. I actually went to a performing arts high school. I went to the Interlochen Arts Academy in Northern Michigan and studied opera for three years in high school. Wow. I am impressed. So I am bowing down. Oh, I don't, don't do that. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Um, because I too performed as a kid. You know, okay. we, we would do plays in school or summer camp. And, and, you know, I would, I wanted to be in them. I wanted to be on stage. I was in lead roles. My, uh, my parents were both musicians and I learned how to play, although I have no musical talent whatsoever. Um, so I had to perform on stage uh, faking that I could play. I, I knew how to play. I wasn't in my heart. It wasn't in my soul. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And so, you know, that, that's something but I still had to get on stage and, and perform. Although you're in a group, I think that helps. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, uh, and then in the military, you know, we had to do briefings and mm -hmm. we had to do trainings. And so, and those are your peers. And let me tell you, we eat our own. Oh yeah. You know, 
and, and, and so you had to get up there and be strong because if you showed any weakness at all, you, you just expose your belly just a little bit. I guarantee there's jaws just grabbing hold and ripping your guts out. But you know what, Dave, here's what I think. And this is, you know, most of the work I do is in the discomfort zone. It's teaching people public speaking. It's teaching people how to deal with change. It's teaching people how to have tough conversations. And the fact is, the more we do it and survive it, the more we realize it's not that big a deal. So maybe all of that, you know, opportunity to get up in front of people and commit to a performance, whatever it was as kids, made us realize that, it wasn't that bad. And getting up and speaking in front of people is actually kind of fun. Absolutely. Um, you know, it was Nietzsche who said famously, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. and Or gives us food poisoning. And makes us stronger after we survive it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. But I mean, that's the truth, right? It once, if you survive it the first time, the second time is easier especially when there's people giving you feedback and commenting, because I like in your military experience where you, your, your guys were coming after you as my experience at Interlochen, where every performance I did, I got feedback so I could be better. But no matter what you do, that feedback always stings, right? And, but the more you get through it, the more you live through it and experience it, the more you realize, okay, great, this is an opportunity for me to get better. And we get even stronger the next time. And frankly, at everything we do. Right. And, you know, you and I are, are, are blessed. And I'm, I don't mean because we, we speak publicly, but because we are members of the National Speakers Association, we've seen the best of the best of the best. And as great as they are, and they are all amazing speakers i've seen them make mistakes on stage oh yeah oh yeah and i think for our listeners out there and i want to we're going to tie this to persuasion if in case it's not obvious for most of you i'm sure this is obvious right so i don't want to insult your intelligence by by, by laboring that and i think knowing that it's okay to make mistakes and in fact, own your mistakes. That's why, you know, when I'm when I'm calling, I, I cold call. I'm a cold calling fool. I, you know that about me. Well, I'm a fool, period. But, you know, every day I'm on the phone doing my cold calls every morning. That's how I start my day. It's the best way to start your day. And if folks, you, you want to talk about that, we'll talk about that sometimes. And when I, fortunate enough to get hold of somebody on the phone and I'm speaking with them and I step on my words, you know, that's actually my line. I'm like, oh, hard to believe I'm a professional speaker, isn't it? You know, and, and they always laugh. And and I don't do it intentionally, but it's it's a way I've learned to um, deal with that situation. Well, and it's building rapport because essentially you're saying, I'm human, I'm a little vulnerable. And then the other person's like, oh my God, I'm human too. And suddenly you're besties. Exactly, exactly. Maybe not exactly in that much of a intentional and uh, conscious way, but yeah. But yeah, that vulnerability. And if you're comfortable rolling with it, um, I've forgotten what I've said. I've talked to the wrong slide before I turned around to point at the slide I was talking to and realized, well, that's the wrong slide. Let's keep going, you know? And, you re- and, and the more you get people to laugh and the more you 
help them not worry about you. This is what I talk about a lot when you're public speaking. And even if it's just getting up to do a sales presentation for five people with an organization you want to work with, you get up to do a sales presentation. You don't take yourself too seriously. You don't look too nervous. You're projecting confidence. There is an immediate likability there because they feel like you're good. I don't have to worry about you. I can trust you. You're competent. And, and that, you know what that means? I messed up my words. I may be pointing to the wrong slide. All of that. Now, if you're a complete soup sandwich, it's a completely different, you know, message you're sending, but one mistake is not going to ruin it. Your response to that is what's going to cause the problem. Right. You think about great sports, great athletes, right? Great baseball players. They still flub the play. They still mishandle the ball. It's how they recover from that. That's how they are judged. You know, talking about goalies, you and I, you know, you, you know, I'm a hockey fan and our listeners know that, believe it or not. Uh, hard to believe that I've mentioned that. You've before. ever talked about it. <laughs> right. I know. Um, especially with Darren being from Boston, one of those, you know, but so our Boston, our, our Boston listeners, we just lost you. I know that, but I'm from Philly. If, in case you don't know that, so it's just going to be that way. Um, and Darren will represent when he's back. You know, goalies, uh, uh, quarterbacks, they need short memories, right? That, that's what they say, right? So it's how you recover it. You know, how many times you see a, a wide receiver who, you know, tips the ball and Bob bounces it in the air and he's juggling the ball while he's flying, right? That's a mistake that they correct. Mm-hmm. When you're on stage or in front of a group, don't be afraid of the mistake, right? And and the other piece is that football player gets up the next day, goes to practice, does it some more. And this is the key is sometimes we have so few opportunities to speak in public that suddenly that one mistake or that one talk that didn't go well gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our minds. And the key with public speaking, you, it's, you can get better at it. You can get more comfortable with it. You just have to do it. That's why places like National Speakers Association for Professional Speakers or Toastmasters for people who just want to get better at public speaking gives you the opportunity to get up and get up and get up and do it and do it and do it so that you've got five successes for every not so success that you have. Right. And, and you start realizing there's more success than there is failure. In yes. Your right. right. And that's what you need when you're sitting on the side of the stage about to go on barfing in a planter. You need to be able to say, all right, I can do this. I've done it before. I've done it. Well, here we go. Wait, that was you in the planter? Because that smelled awful. Sorry, Dave. Sorry. Sorry. <sighs> I, I told the janitor before I went up on stage. Oh, dear. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you allude to an interesting or, or something else we probably should mention, um, which is how do you deal with the energy you feel before going on stage? Mm. Now, I, I worded it that way intentionally because you talked about nerves, mm-hmm. but that's not nerves for me. To me, that's excitement. Mm. There is actually physiologically no difference between being nervous about something or being excited about it. It's simply the label we put on it. If I don't feel that, I'm concerned. 
there's something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm seriously because that's energy. And when I'm on stage or in front of a uh, audience, doesn't obviously it doesn't. I probably should stop saying that. It doesn't matter whether it's physically on stage or just when I'm in front of a group, though. Mm-hmm. If I don't have energy to give. It's going to be flat. And so I want to feel what some people term butterflies. They're not, it's not butterflies. It's, it's that energy coursing through your body. It's, you just, it's pregame, right? And, you know, I, I go through rituals to create that feeling because I've been doing this long enough now that depending on, you know, on an audience of two, three, 400 people, it doesn't just come. Now you put me in, in a stadium with 10,000 people and I've never spoken for 10,000 people before. I probably don't need to do anything. <laughs> You're going to walk out there. It's going to be like, whoa. Well, yeah. first of all, I, I'm probably not walking out there. I am probably flying Running. out there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, right? Yep. right. And, and now I'm going to be concerned with slowing down and, and, and channeling that energy and, and, and you know, mo- uh, modulating it, I think is the right word mm-hmm. I'm looking for there. Mm-hmm. But if I'm talking before 20 people, it's the opposite, right? And so- how you think about that energy, that's critical. Well, and I think a lot of that comes from the, the reel that's playing, the, the cassette tape that's playing in your head. Um, the, you know, what's, what are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself, I'm excited, this is going to be great, I'm ready? Or are you telling yourself, wow, I screwed this up last time, it's going to be terrible? And I think that reel can be part of, that's definitely part of my prep pre-stage preparation to get that energy at the right place. Absolutely. You know, sports psychologists talk about the way to improve your performance in any sport is to focus on what went right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Not what went wrong because we get more of what we think about. Yeah. And so right. if you think about what went right, you're going to get more stuff going right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's let's move this. So, so we, we talked about how to do it. We, we, we'll probably come back to this a little bit, but let's talk about the power of persuasion from public speaking. Confidence is so important. Like I said, you need the audience, not, whether it's four people in a boardroom or 10,000 people in a stadium, you need for them to not be worried about you. If they're worried about you because they can see you're nervous and not confident, they're not being persuaded. Absolutely. But where I wanted to go with this and oh. yeah. Where do you want to go, Dave? Let's take your road. We, thank you. You're um, welcome. It's your podcast after all. <laughs> well, for, 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 for a, a, a time, it's our podcast, oh, you know, thanks. it's, it's your too. So, but I think some people out there may be going, you know what? I'm not comfortable. I don't want to do it. What's the payoff? I, I've been successful. When you see somebody on stage or in front of a group, right? Or, you know, in front of 20, 30, 40 people, you walk in a room. What's the first thought that goes through your head? That's Where's an expert. <laughs> That's when you see me there, maybe. <laughs> oh, crap. How do I get out of here quickly? <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's an expert. That's some, they get instant credibility by being in front of a group. Mm -hmm. Now you can give that credibility away by not being effective up there. Right. But you're starting from a place of credibility. And we're saying the same thing here. They're not worried about me. They believe in what I'm saying because I'm projecting confidence and competence. Yep. 
Right. Well, what, what I'm actually saying is before you've actually, before I've experienced your projecting confidence and competence, the fact that you're up there, when I walk in that room and I haven't really observed you, you start with credibility. Okay. Now, when you project confidence and competence, you maintain that credibility. If you start, if you start, if I go out there and I'm hearing and I'm seeing somebody who is looking at their slides with the back to the audience, mumbling to themselves, reading the slides, reading the slides. That, and it's a slide that I can't read because there's too many words on it. Right? We, <laughs> we just spend a ton of time talking about how to do all of that stuff. Right. But now all of a sudden you're eating away at that perceived competence. Right. And then credibility goes down. Mm. But being effective in front of a crowd, in front of a group, automatically gives you expertise. If you are a leader in business or not a leader, period, that's going to help you in your persuasion conversations because you already have a sense, a stature that others don't have. Just somebody's belief that you are worthy of giving the stage. Correct. Helps you with that persuasion. Exactly my point. Mm. And to your point earlier, if you're in sales, especially, we run into times where we do need to do group presentations, right? And, and I don't mean from a group, like as two or three salespeople presenting at once, which is a whole nother conversation. <laughs> that can be a huge nightmare if you don't coordinate that. But just one person in front of a group, knowing how to engage different personalities, address different concerns and do it with panache and confidence, right? Not flawlessly. And that's the thing I think we want to hear, not flawlessly. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your tips, Anne? I know you're really, I've seen you on stage. You're phenomenal. You're just, you're the same thing I see here. And, and when I meet you in person, what, what, what are some of your tips? Uh, well, preparation. Every time somebody comes into a public speaking class and says, oh, I just like to wing it. I know the topic. I'm like, oh, that's not going to go well. Or it might go okay, but it could go so much better if you prepare, especially if public speaking makes you nervous. Now, are you talking about memorizing a presentation? It depends. Um, not necessarily. I mean, preparation like practicing, planning what you're going to say and planning what you're not going to say. Meaning there of the topic you're talking about, there may be 10 different pieces of it that you can talk about, but the more you try to jam in, the more you may be watering your message. So I always talk about intentional omission and you want to plan that beforehand because you don't want to be making it up as you go on from the stage because you know too much, <laughs> you know, too much, Dave. Uh, you may not know too much, but most people know too much about the topic they're getting up to talk about. And if you're trying to sift through everything to figure out what it is you're going to tell, you're not going to hit the main points that are really going to hit that audience. No, you've nailed it on the head. Um, I, I speak extemporaneously. I'm not a big believer in, in memorization because I don't want to be lost in remembering. Right. And I know my topic. But to your point, when I think about my topic, it's a 200-page book. It's a three-day intensive, right? Yep. Right. My, 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 my uh, account accountability academy is three days 
And even in those three days, I've edited out a lot of things because, you know, you can't, you can't do it. it you know, so and you've me, got 45 was, minutes to do your speech. Yeah. Even if I got 90 minutes or two right. hour keynote, which is too long for a keynote, but, right. but, but, but 90 minutes, I've done 90 minute keynotes before. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I don't intentionally omit, right. What are the key points? What's the high level? Mm-hmm. And then if I don't practice it, because my time, because I'm speaking extemporaneously, that makes it even more of a challenge. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of people think, you know, again, I know this topic really well. I can just speak on it. It'll be smooth. But knowing which stories go with which lessons, which stories are going to land with which audience and knowing how to fit it all into the time period that you have, because that's another really important piece of public speaking. The more you go over your time, the more people are looking at their watch saying, get me out of here, unless you're really good. Right. Even, you know, forget about professional speaking like you and I do, where meeting planners have, there's a, there's a time and there's an agenda. And the last thing in the world you want to do is, is run long. Right. Um, You're the CEO of a company. You have a, company-wide meeting to announce a new initiative or whatever it might be. Everybody out there, even though they're working for you, they have work to do. This ain't it. And if you want to get your message across, you need to be as succinct as possible, as exciting as possible, right? And assuming it, so it's a planned thing where you say, okay, we're, we're going to be, you know, the CEO has an announcement at, you know, 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, you know, be in the, in the atrium, whatever. And, you know, it's going to go from 10 to 1030. If you're not punctual, you're sending a subliminal message that is going to undermine so many things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Same with when you're presenting a sales pitch, you know, you take more of their time than they have set aside for you. And again, they're, they're going to have a belief about that. Absolutely. So, so practice. Yep. Know your material. Yep. What else you got? Don't mess it up. No, I'm kidding. Um, let's, oh, well, so, hold on, hold on. Let, let's address that. No, okay. but, but let's address that because that's what everybody thinks. That's what everybody thinks. When you practice, what, what, what I recommend is when you're practicing and you mess it up, Pretend there's an audience there. Keep going. Yes. Practice messing up. Right. Yeah. right. I actually, so when I, what I do is I'll, I'll go through the whole thing once and I'll check my timing. Okay. And I'm long because I am a long-winded bastard in case you don't know that. And then I, then I'll go back and I'll think to myself, all right, what section did I go long in? And I'll sometimes I'll record myself. We got, I mean, today, this is so easy to do that. Record myself and I'll go back and listen. I don't listen to the whole thing because I, I, frankly, I can't sit through myself that long. Um, But I'll I'll listen to a section and I go, yeah, I got really wordy there. I got really verbose there, you know, and I'll sometimes sketch out to to the points I, I need to hit and make, you know, and I'll go and then I'll practice that section mm-hmm. and then I'll put it all together. And I'm still going to screw it up. Yeah, right. And when I set out to do the whole thing, right? Because so, sometimes, again, tension. Sometimes it's, I'm going to practice this side, but it's okay. I'm going soup to nuts. 
I'm in front of an audience in my mind for that. And I roll the way I roll. And then I look at my watch when I'm done and I'm going, shit, I'm four minutes too long. Yep. And timing yourself is huge. Uh, understanding, you know, where, how you're going to go, what stories go with, what you don't. There was another thing I was going to say that was really good. I was excited about it. I forgot what it was. It'll come back. Oh, it was about forgetting, actually. <laughs> an, old, <laughs> an old theater trick. Go ahead, Dave. No, I just say that was unintentional, folks. I it promise totally you. totally unintentional. Um, another theater trick that I use is when I'm practicing a new talk, I'll practice it from the end. So I'll section it into, you know, three quarter page chunks or chunks that make sense. And I'll start with the last chunk. And I'll practice that a couple times till I know it. I'm not memorizing it, but I'm getting to know how the words fit together, what words I'm going to use. Once I've gotten through that, I'll add the second to last chunk and go all the way through to the end, all the way through to the end. So I'm comfortable with that. And then I'll go to the third to last chunk and go all the way through to the end. And the cool thing about this is not only does it help you get to know your material well and get it coming out of your mouth well, because knowing it in your brain and coming out of your mouth are two completely different skills, but it also helps you be stronger and more confident as your speech progresses. So if you're super nervous when you start, at l- or if you mess up in the beginning, at least you know that speech even better and better as it gets to the end, and you'll pick up momentum and pick up confidence, which is nice when something doesn't go well early on. Right, because remember, folks, what they're going to remember they're going to remember two parts of your speech and that's the opening and the closing. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love this because you're going to close strong. It guarantees a, cl- a strong closing. And, and I, while I haven't done it that way in the past, I'm actually thinking that's a really good way to do it, especially with new material. Mm-hmm. What I always do is make sure I practice my opening story and my closing story. Yes. Those are the two that I'm going to practice, 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 and then practice, 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 practice some more. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I don't practice the middle, but sometimes the middle is a bit of a mystery. <laughs> and that's the magic. We leave, leave room for the mystery. No, but I, I tell people that. Memorize the beginning, memorize the end, because the law of recency and the law of primacy say people are going to remember the first thing they hear and the most recent thing they hear. And so if you can nail your open they're listening. You nailed their clothes. They remember you. Yeah. Right. And so something else when structure folks, right. Open with something memorable, open with something impactful, open with something that's going to wake them up. I personally tell a story from my military days because people love to hear sea stories, or at least I think they love to hear sea story. I love, I love them. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, although my wife is bored the heck out of them, you know, she's fortunately not in my audience. Some people Good thing you're up, cute, Dave. She keeps you around. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I think that ship sailed a few years ago too. Um some people like to open with statistics that are meaningful, not 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 boring statistics, something you know, really, you know, that, that you people go, uh, well, you know, we have Ann and I have a have our own coach and, you know, something, what she says is something they can't unsee. Mm. Right. So what is something you could say that they just go like, Oh, I never thought about it that way or whatever that might be. 
Yep. You got to hook them. Right. And then end with something call to action, whether it's a change in their lives or something they're going to do at the office, right? Maybe, you know, it's a new initiative or whatever it is, but give them something to do at the end. Yep. And maybe that's getting in touch with you. Um, if you're in a sales presentation of some sort, maybe that's what's the next step to work with you. But again, if you're ending strong, they're leaving wanting more. And that's the key. And that means your credibility that you talked about, that you get just as for being selected to walk onto that platform, that credibility is still high. And they walk out thinking, wow, that person, they're awesome. Yeah. So if you want to be able to persuade people, learn to work in a group because if I can work, if I can work a, a room of a thousand people, 2000 people from the stage, how much easier is it one-to-one? And I will tell you one of the most amazing experiences I ever had was my first year going to the national speakers association, uh, annual conference. It's called influence. I didn't know. I literally didn't know a soul. When I went, I wasn't involved in a local chapter and I was going because I was committed to this. This is some years ago. I was committed to doing this as a living. And because I was in a crowd of about 1500 to 2000, that's how many were attending professional speakers who knew how to engage people from the stage. Every one of them could engage me and was willing to and happy to engage. And so it was a great experience. I went not knowing a soul I left with a ton of new friends and, and, and it's, it was absolutely incredible. That's the power you gain when you learn to public speak. Mm-hmm. Builds that confidence to build those connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think this has been another great show, Anne. I love it, Dave. Thank you for your time. Thanks for letting me come play. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, next time. And uh, folks, like I said before, please, uh, Follow us so that you know when our new uh, podcasts are coming out. If you have any questions or anything you'd like us to address, let us know that. Or uh, if you want to talk to Ann or me about perhaps coming in and doing a presentation to your team, your association, your company, your family, your dog, whomever it might be, just reach out. All the information will be in the show notes. Till next time. Thanks, everyone. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.